As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Just want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We're joined again, round three, from our good friend, former Islander, former Ranger, former everything, Michael Grabner. What's up, Grabs? Going on, guys. Nice to be back. (laughs) It's good to have you back. And uh, we have some actual Islander games to talk about. And maybe uh, given all the excitement that we had last week talking about how good the Islanders were going to be, this could be a bit of a letdown, shall we say, these first two games. They have another game. Their third game is tonight in Chicago. I expect them to be a lot better, but we'll talk about what they'll look like going forward in a minute. Um, first two games, 6-3 loss in Carolina, 5-1 loss in Florida. Some good things, but a lot more not-so-good things. Um, grabs, you know, with a team with this kind of expectations, and I know that in your Islander days, expectations were not exactly front and center. But when you start off and kind of trip going out of the gate, um, does it does it kind of shake your head a little bit to say like, look, you know, we thought we were going to be good in the preseason, and here we come, and we're and we're stumbling a little bit. But uh, or or if you're on a good team, you just know that you have the confidence to get past a couple of a couple of bad ones. Yeah, probably the the later part. Um, they, I'm sure they're going to be fine on the road. Uh, but for me personally, uh, the teams I've been on and we had good starts, it made a lot of things easier, obviously, going forward, right? Like uh, if you can have a strong first 10 games and kind of position yourself, it's always easier to kind of play from from that position and coming from behind, even if it's just like two, three games, right? Like this league moves fast and like uh, when you fall behind the eight ball a little bit, it's um, it's never fun to catch up. But again, they have a strong team, so I'm fairly confident they're going to put it together and kind of work their way back but yeah it's like I said last last time we were on if you take the Islanders out of the equation I think Carolina for me one of the better teams in the east right like even Florida a lot of skill and you saw the last game so if we, if we said that 10 years ago that we're going to be talking <laughs> about these three teams being one that's of the right. better teams up in the east right so yeah but that's how the league is right it's it's fun to watch to see some other teams emerge over the years and um yeah, those were some tough starts. Uh, I watched watched the Islanders play some of their game. I think they had stretches where they looked like Islanders hockey, but I don't think they were 
consistent enough yet to say like they play like they want to, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I think one of the aspects that uh, that was hurting them these first two games was Matt Martin's absence. It's not necessarily that Matt Martin is the most important Islander or the most skilled Islander, far from it, but that line with him and Casey Sezekis and Cal Clutterbuck, I've said it on this show over the years that we've had it. I'm sure you know it, even though you didn't really play with them as a trio, that those three guys, when they're together, seem so much better than they are individually as guys that are pretty late in their careers as, as bottom six players. Um, they seem to be the kind of the beating heart of this Islander team. And maybe that's something that was a little bit missing there, that, that grind that those guys bring kind of from the drop of the puck. Yeah, for sure. Obviously they feed off each other. Well, they've been together a long time. Um, like you said, they just know their role, right? So I think it's big in games. Like, like when you get scored on or you score a goal, right? They always talk about the next shift being very important. Canada's, get the momentum back or can I keep it? And that's what they're good at, right? You throw them out there. They're just going to keep it simple, get the puck in and go on a four check. So I think when Marty's coming back, I think tonight I read he's back in the lineup. So that should hopefully uh, rejuvenate that line and uh, hopefully give the team a little spark here. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably something that they need. And I think, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, it was pointed out to me and I also kind of know, know it from being around this team. They, since Barry Trotz has been here, they haven't gotten off to the best starts. I mean, um, a couple of years ago, kind of the last full season in, in 1920, at least the, when it started off to be a full season, they were one and three after their first four, and then they ripped off a 15-0-2 run. And even in, in the in the pandemic-shortened division-only schedule last year, they had a 10-game winning streak about five or six games in. I can't remember exactly what it was. So this team is clearly a team that needs to kind of find its level. Um did you sense a little bit of that? You know, they, they have a couple of new guys that they were trying to work in, a couple of veteran guys in Chara and Parise that haven't quite been as effective as you'd hope they'd be. But does that kind of st- that kind of stuff, even with a full training camp, does it take a little bit of time when, when the live games start coming? Yeah, I think so. I think nothing can compare. I don't care if it's training camp, exhibition games. Like, you're trying to win a game in a regular season and the points are on the line. It's just different, right? So, like you said, I think they need to kind of settle in, get their game going. Like I said, I've seen spurts of it, but not consistent enough through these first two games, which I think we're going to see more and more coming though. Like they're more, they're going to get more consistent throughout the whole game. And uh, like even the last, the Florida game, I think they outplayed them. They came out strong in the first period. Right. And then, but then you get scored on, you kind of fall behind and it's just the way sometimes hockey goes. But um, like I said, I think they're going to find their identity, their game, like here, it's a long season. Um, you don't want to lose any games. But again, I think I've seen some of the trades that the Islanders have had the last years and why they were tough to play against. And um, once they put together a full effort and know what it takes and how to play to win, I think they're going to probably go on a roll again. Yeah, and I, I'd say if we're going to talk about some of the positives, we should probably get into that first. Um, you have to like what the top line did with with Anders Lee and Matthew Barzal and Kyle Palmieri. I, I kind of speculated a little bit in training camp when Barry Trotz said that was going to be his top line, that maybe Palmieri and, and Anders Lee might kind of play the same sort of game where they like to grind it out, go to the front of the net. Maybe that wouldn't help Barzal. Um, certainly against Carolina, that line was dominant when it was on the ice. Maybe not quite as much against Florida, but uh, but it's a it's a really a really dynamic first line. And Palmieri being there is kind of at least through these first two games for me 
kind of ease the concerns about Jordan Eberle not being there, who was a guy who meshed really well with Barzal? Yeah, it was obviously tough for them losing him, but you, like you said, Palmieri coming in, he's a good player. I played with him in Jersey. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. Like, obviously, I tweeted about that we are predictions off to a hot start, at least in the scoring department and after the first game. Um, with Lee scoring and Barcelona scoring. But um, yeah, like you said, they, they had some good shifts there, some built some momentum. And uh, I think they did the same thing. They're just going to get stronger as the season goes on and as the more they play to get together, obviously. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do, maybe especially next coming games here. And uh, they're going to need those three guys going if they, if they want to go on a roll here. So they need to be their best players, obviously. With Anders specifically coming back from an ACL, I mean, you you had a couple of injuries that you needed to come back from, different than an ACL. But when you ha- when you're coming off something that's a long term thing, um, you know, I assume that the confidence to be able to do what you normally do has to takes a little bit of time to come back. When you see him parking himself in front of the net, planting his legs, jousting with the with the defense like he usually does, do you kind of say to yourself, even without him scoring a goal, which he did against Carolina, when you see him doing that, do you say like? Okay, he feels good about himself and about his knee now. Yeah, for sure. I think um, obviously knees and stuff. It's always tough to come to come back and just go out and do what you did before your injury, right? Like I never had any knee problems, lucky. But uh, I'm sure it takes a few games or even like just a few periods to just like try it out and like just mentally to stop thinking about it, right? Like when you go out there, and you, you need to be um, doing things on instincts and just like not think much right so like i think when you come back it's obviously always a little bit of question in the back of your head how it's gonna feel and stuff but i think once he sees that there's no pain nothing's tweaking yeah i think that goes quick then and he'll be back to just doing his normal self battling in front of net grinding guys down looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Grabs, we were just talking about Doing things on instinct as it pertains to Anders Lee and his knee, uh, instinct is also important when you know the system and you're able to kind of do things without thinking about them first. I thought a little bit in these first couple games, uh, especially with Zidane Chara in that second game where he was a minus four, which is a stat we all know is a little bit garbage, but it's still one that's out there. He was on for four of Florida's five goals. Uh, I don't think Chara played bad these two games, but he did look like he was maybe thinking about the system a little bit before he would make a move or, or try to you know be decisive in his movements. You've certainly been in a couple of different teams and systems and played for different coaches. Does that also take a little bit of time no matter what? I mean, Char is a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt, but even he 
needs to be able to to kind of get that stuff down pat, I would assume, before it looks smooth out there. Yeah, I believe so. I think um, a lot of these guys have played together for a long time and they know the system, right? So it's easier for the guys that's been there um, for the most part. And then like new guys coming in, it, the systems don't, they vary a little bit, obviously, from team to team, right? But again, it takes that little bit of few games under your belt to kind of get used to it. Also knowing where every guy is going, right? Like it's, it's not just the system you're playing with, like whatever, 15, 16 new guys or whatever it is. So again, that comes down to like, I think 10, 15 games from now, you should probably be just fine. Um, it takes a little bit of time in the beginning to get used to all the different circumstances. And uh, obviously the, you should rely on a very good structured game, the Islanders, and that's why they've been so hard to play against. Uh, I saw everyone buying in, and um, I think we're going to see that going forward. And they've given up a lot of goals. You know, Ilya Sorokin uh, has played both games. He's going to play again tonight in Chicago. He might play two of the next three over the weekend. Semyon Varlamov is with the team. He's been practicing. Barry Trotz said today there's a chance he could be ready for the weekend when the Islanders have back-to-backs in Arizona. I don't know if you're going to go grabs, but they are playing out there uh, and Vegas. So uh, obviously Varlamov coming back would be a huge help. And I think the thing that that Trotz said today that really kind of encapsulated how Sorokin's played is that he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't given them a big save when they've needed it because the team has has been breaking down in front of him. And that's obviously when you need your goalie. And this is not really a team the last two years that does a lot of breaking down. So when you watch some of these goals go in in these first two games, are you thinking the goalie needs to be able to stop one or two of them, even if it's, you know, a, a breakdown that, that might not be a situation he's used to seeing. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably the good goal is to give you a save when you need it. Right. Um, but again, like I agree, I don't think he has played bad. And the first two games there, Carolina and Florida, they have some skilled guys up front and, and some demon that can make some plays. Right. So like you, they were throwing pucks at the net and, Again, oh, we want we want him to make a save, who gives it kind of some energy to the to your lineup, right? And say, hey, let's wake up here and help him out. But again, it's it's I think we've talked about it. That's not been like the full Islander hockey we've seen yet. So, and goalies, the last years, I think a lot of goalies look pretty good just playing behind that kind of lineup and that kind of system, right? So, um, again, I think 10, 15 games from now, we're gonna talk about a whole a lot of different things than, than now. So it's, uh, let's say they play out. Uh, like I said, I don't really buy into too much in the first few games here. Like you said, the last years, they came off to a slower start and then still dominated, right? So of course you want to make it easy on yourself and start off hot, but that's just not the way it works sometimes. I do want to make sure I mention that Brock Nelson scored a goal in the opener. And uh, I don't know, grabs if you're familiar with the Brocktober hashtag <laughs> that goes around on Twitter. But uh, but Brock is a is a hot starter and has been all the way back to the times when you were an Islander, when he was first starting out. I think people still see him as this streaky player. To me, he's been their, one of their most consistent forwards, if not the most consistent forward in the entire time that Barry's been there. Uh, and he's a bit of an enigma because I think people sort of see him and he looks a little bit relaxed and he never really kind of cracks a smile or looks like he's he's uh, hurrying at any at any to, to any situation but he's a real complete player and he's also kind of a pain in the ass on the ice he likes to mix it up a little bit when you first encountered him were you thinking like is this guy like is is he fully here or is he is he thinking about something else or is he always kind of like a little a lot different than the way that he presents himself on the ice 
they all like so I've played with some guys that are like that right there. Seems like the heart heart rate is like below thirty beats a minute. Uh, a minute. Like it's it's just the way it is. Like that's that's the Brock and that's his demeanor. But again, that goes back to we talked about Bales a uh, few a few times ago. Um, just people just keep having the same perception of people, right? Like yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just like they have this thing that they thought about this player or this person. And even though he evolved and he, he changed, but people still say the same thing. I right? think like he might have a couple of bad games and they just still make him out to be the same player that he was 10 years ago. Like you said, he was, he's was he been a great player for the Islanders the last years here. Um, he's doing a lot of the hard work. He's been consistent. And um, somehow it just it's tough to, to shake this. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, like I said, like I agree with you. He's been a great player for them and he's going to, have a strong season. I don't expect anything else. And uh, right before the season started, uh, you know, we I think we did touch on it a little bit. Ryan Pollock signing his eight-year deal, going along with Adam Pellick's eight-year deal. They've they've been pretty good as a pair, uh, as you would expect in these two games. In in a two-game stretch where the team has given up ten goals with the goalie, and you leave out the the empty netter in Carolina, but uh, Pellick hasn't been on the ice for a goal against, and there's been a lot of breakdowns and and I don't even know that Pelic and Pollock would say that they've played their best so far but when you have a a pair like that that's become so reliable um and not really necessarily a, a flashy pair there's no there's no Eric Carlson there's no Keith Yandel there's no Ryan McDonough to to kind of like lug the puck up the ice or play 30 35 minutes these guys are just very well matched together and they do what they do and then they get off the ice um when you have them at least playing well, that's got to be a positive sign to kind of know like, okay, our, our best guys are, are playing well already. And if the rest of us get in line, we can get through this. Yeah. Um, there are some, it's a great pairing obviously for them. Uh, they got this and uh, probably a steal for the Island as the contracts assigned too. So that boy was loose doing again, but um, yeah, they're going to have a, Island fans going to have a lot of fun with those two guys. And uh, like you said, they've been good. They, they just know their job. They keep it simple. They play a, a rugged style, right? Like I didn't like playing against them. They made it hard on you, on you in front of net. Couple cross checks here and there, but um, it's the same as the Parcel, Parcel line, right? Like the, the top guys are they had some pretty decent games so far. So like if everyone else can pick up their slack and um, just like put together a full sixty minutes, I think we're gonna be watching a whole different Islander game than the first two games here. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. So now we'll kind of wheel around the league a little bit. Uh, I know, Grabs, that you keep track of some of the other teams that you played on. Um, I know the... We don't really want to give too much love to the dreaded Rangers here because this is an Islander podcast. Um, they're off to a good start almost entirely due to Igor Shesterkin, who uh, has been playing lights out. And your old team, uh, your most recent team in Arizona, which must be a strange sight for you to see them because they you played with them 
barely over a year ago. And I don't know how many guys are left that you actually played with. But uh, what do you think of them that when you see them, they had, you know, have had a couple of competitive games, had a real clunker on opening night, but otherwise uh, kind of a weirdly thrown together team with a new coach. Uh, what do you think about Arizona? <laughs> I think it's going to be a long season for them. <laughs> uh, the fans, yeah, they're in for a long ride here. Uh, but that's the, I think no one expected anything else um, from what they did in the off season. We've tried to acquire a lot of draft picks, obviously. And uh, yeah, like you said, just kind of weeding out the team. They got, got rid of some of their best players to, like I said, to acquire those draft picks. So yeah, it's going to be a long season, kind of like the early years in the Islanders. <laughs> um, but again, I don't think anything else was expected with all the moves they did. And uh yeah, I just hope for the guys that I still know on there that they can uh, can enjoy hockey, right? Like it's, it can get tough along the stretches, especially those November, December, January months when you're not winning much. It's 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 a long season, but um, they gotta make the best of it and just try, yeah, to enjoy the hockey season. And yeah, for the Rangers, yeah, they had a good start. I didn't really f- watch too many games as of yet, but I've seen that the goalie stood on his head. I think that's been a staple at the Rangers the last whatever 20 years the goalie's stealing <laughs> a lot of wins so yeah you see how you see if he can keep it up and um obviously they have a lot of fun players to watch up front as well and uh you mentioned about Arizona and you know it's going to be a long season and and you mentioned some of the some of your Islander seasons uh you probably knew the same thing right from the start even if no one was going to say it um how do you kind of you know, what's the motivation level for, for you when you see the standings by the end of October, early November and say, it, it, you know, unless we turn things around completely here, it's going to be a long, long year and you still have 60 or 70 games to go? Well, for us, it was a little different, right? Because we had a young team. So we were kind of just trying to get experience, kind of get our game, build the culture, whatever you want to say. So here there's still some old guys here, like, right, like they got Lat, they got Castle. They got some old Eric, Louis Erickson, like they got some older guys. So it's, I think they're just trying to prove them people wrong and be competitive and just like being games, right? Um, but for their thinking, uh, come November and if they're like pretty far back, I don't know what you would say. Like for us, I said it was different. Uh, we were a young team. We're just trying to get experience, kind of get a get into the league, right? Like it was one of my first years. And um, so I think the circumstances in the two are a little bit different, but again, you just got to play. Like it doesn't matter. I think I said it last time as a competitor, you want to win every game. doesn't matter if you're, what your record is, what, what, what your stats are. Like if you start a game, you want to win the game. Right. So it's, it's no, it's, it doesn't, it's no different if you're first place or last in the league. So they're going to do their best. They're going to go out there and battle. And um, I hope they can have some success along the way here. And you mentioned a couple of your guys that you're friends with, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland, who went up to Vancouver. That team's kind of an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you've watched them play yet, but uh, they're kind of on this East Coast swing. They had a you know a game they almost blew in Philly and won in a shootout. Um, that's kind of that's just an interesting situation. Do you you know you know those guys pretty well? Were they excited to be someplace where they had more of a chance to win? Um, you know, is, is it you started out in Vancouver? That's a that's also kind of an interesting place fan wise for Canada too. Is it uh, what do you make of that Vancouver situation? Yeah, I like playing in Vancouver. Uh, 
the fans were good. Um, and I think those guys were happy to get up there and um, join a team that already had some skill. Like I said, like I don't mind the team. I think they have some a decent setup for skilled players up front. And um, we all said last week going up there and not having to worry about being capped and then hopefully kind of finding his game again. You think he scored in the first game, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I watched the, uh, the last game a little bit at the end. I, I don't know if that was a high sticking penalty call or not, but you can't give up two quick goals there, right? You got to kind of buckle down, even though it's an unfortunate penalty. But they did pull it out in a shootout. So it's still uh, somewhat young, too, I think, up there. And I uh, got to learn to close out this game. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare this year. But I think, personally, I think they should be doing pretty well with, with the players and the team they have up there. So. We'll see how it goes, but I think those guys were happy to go up there and kind of join a team that's uh, probably going to be in the mix, hopefully for making playoffs and being in the playoffs. And just back to the Islanders for a second. I know we did our mailbag last week. There was one question I think that somebody asked that you might have highlighted it too. Uh, someone asked about breakaways, and you probably had as many or more breakaways than maybe anybody in the NHL during your time on the island. You scored a ton. I think people seem like you were talking about with Brock. People seem to think that you didn't score on a lot of your breakaways, but I don't know if that's the case. It was kind of streaky, from what I remember, and especially with the Rangers too. Every time I saw a Rangers highlight of you when you were there, you scored on a breakaway. So, what is the deal with breakaways? Is it confidence? Is it making sure you decide to make a move before you get inside the blue line? Before you make lock eyes with the goalie? What was your What was your thought process on a breakaway? Uh, probably a blackout and hopefully a score, <laughs> but. No, like this question comes up so many times and people always say it. It's probably more magnified because I had so many, right? But yeah. look at a look at a shootout. Like what's a good shootout specialist or statistic for a guy in a shootout, right? Like you, every time I watch like some of those skilled guys like Keller or Kessel, like Kessel at 27% and he shot last game and missed, right? So here it should be easy, almost easier. You're having a breakaway. You can think about what you're doing. And you're going in. Obviously, it's not that easy. But I'm just sick of <laughs> arguing with people that in a game, there's other factors, people backchecking you, you know, like the ice might be you coming from an angle, whatever it is. Like people just assume you should be scoring on a breakaway, which I my counterpoint is it's hard to score on breakaways sometimes, right? Like a lot of games I've watched, I'll be like, a Patrick Kane going on a breakaway or someone and he misses. No one talks about it because he didn't get maybe as many, but, and he's also a different player than me. Right. So I don't know why people always had this conception. I never scored on breakaways. So yeah, I let them believe what they want. I, I think I scored almost 200 goals in the league. Um, if they want to try to do that, go ahead. One of the fans and see how it goes. But <laughs> um, again, it's just, I just go with it. Kind of like the same thing with, Phil Kessel and his hot dogs, right? Like, he just goes with it. Like, it is what it is. Like, I've talked to him about this. Like, people always say he loves hot dogs and he's not really that much of a fan of them. But, again, he's not going out there trying to change people's minds. It is what it is. They believe what they want to believe. And, again, I don't think breakaways are that easy, especially for a guy that's maybe not as skilled, right? Like I said, like, I got a lot of them. And I scored on some, I missed some. It's just the way it goes. But again, if someone shows me like a shootout specialist that has gone a hundred times and scored like 75%, I'll be like, okay, you got a point. But again, it's, it's tough to score in this league. And um, yeah, I don't know. Hey, you played with Franz Nielsen, who was probably the best at shootouts in the history of shootouts. And he was only about 50%. So 
That's exactly. Uh, that's my point. So like 50. So like if I, I would really literally need at a hundred breakaways to score 50 goals then if I were 50%, right? So if you get like 40 of them, then you're 20. Like it's, it's all math, right? So it's <laughs> people just saw me getting more. And like when I scored, they're like, oh, he finally scored. And then I missed the next one. I was like, oh, he's back. He's missing breakaways, right? So like I said, I don't like, I just laugh about it. I don't, I don't care. It is what it is, but it's just fun to see how people, what people think, how easy it is supposed to be scoring every breakaway. I'm glad we touched on this because clearly you had something you wanted to get off your chest here. So if everybody I know, I'm can. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like, I see all these comments on Twitter and stuff all the time, but I don't want to like write out a whole thing and stuff. Right. So, but I've never really talked about it because again, like it is what it is anyway. So just funny to me, what people think that how easy it is to score on breakaways. Well, there you have it, everybody. Michael Grabner, breakaways. It's not easy. Let's stop talking about it because it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All no, right. I talked to Halsey, Taylor Hall, when we were here, and he was having a tough time scoring. And he's, again, he's a fast guy, right? Like, sometimes it's harder when you're going a million miles an hour going down. He's like, what do you do? Like, because I was was pretty successful a couple of years before the Islander at uh, the Rangers. Sorry. So like right. he was struggling and he's like, I mean, like sometimes it's not that easy. You're trying to figure out, should you have like one move that you should make or should you try to go just by, by instincts like we talked about and hope it works. So it's, it's tough to figure out what, what the best solution is on a breakaway. Maybe we'll have one next week. We'll have a whole segment devoted to thinking about breakaways and figure, trying to figure it out, trying to crack the breakaway code. But uh, oh, we can. Yeah, I tried everything. <laughs> I've, I've done it. When I was with the Islanders, I did after practice, I did breakaways and I would score like seven out of 10. But then, then a game comes and I score like one out of 10. Right. Like it's it's weird. You can do whatever you want. It's just I don't know. Yeah. If I had this special sauce, I would tell you. <laughs> Well, thank you as always, Grabs. We appreciate you having you here. We got one more show with you next week, and maybe there'll be some better Islander stuff to talk about then. Yeah, hopefully they have some more positive, but I'm I'm sure they will. So we'll see how it goes the next few games here. Yep, and thanks for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform to leave a rating and review. If you're enjoying the show, it really helps us out. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial and just 99 cents a month after that. And right now you can save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic when you visit theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. I'm Arthur Staple. That's Michael Grabner. We'll catch you again next week.